Welcome to the Sports Plus Podcast, a part of the WWCU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joel Vélez. On tonight's podcast, we're going to be applying the plus on this podcast name. Last night, December 2nd, 2019, Western Carolina's Student Government Association Senate held an impeachment hearing for student body president David Rode. Some of you might remember Rode had faced impeachment two other times during his time as senator. I'm joined by Benito Garcia and Nate Hadley of the Western Carolina Journalist. They published a story late on Sunday revealing many of the allegations against Rode. So let's get right to it. Benny, Nate, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty doing good. great. Yeah. All right, guys, paint the picture for me and for Catamount Nation. How did we get here? Well, I am a senator. Well, I was a senator on the Student Government Association, and so I received an email um, regarding the impeachment articles that have been filed against President Rode. So the first thing I did was kind of alluded to my partner for my news reporting class. Uh, we were going to do a story on mental health, and then I was like, "So I have some interesting news to to discuss," and then he already knew about it. So word had gotten out, and we talked to our professor and she was on board with doing the story about it so we went to go talk to the WCU council um, TJ Eves and he gave his clearance to publicize the story only if the authors of the articles uh, would come forward and tell us the details and the content of it so I reached out to some people and uh, one of the authors Fiona Buchanan came forward and she sat down with us and gave us an interview where she told us in detail a lot of the allegations that were in the articles of impeachment. And um, Nate, you want to add? Yeah. Um, well, also, it's good to note that, like, we had seen previously some details that were in the impeachment, but the big struggle with this story was that in order to make this, like, as legal as possible, we had to make sure that we talked to other people to paint this picture, which is why our sources were really important to try and get an accurate picture of the actual story. That's why we ended up talking with Fiona Buchanan. We talked with uh, Zachary Daniels. We also talked to Kaysan Mitchell, uh, Susanna Lester, and we were able to really get a good idea of how this came to be. And it ended up being, I'd say, like, we were end up sitting down in the room, all of us together, and kind of just talked about it. They almost vented to us about some grievances that they had about David. And I think this whole process probably took about an hour just them um, talking and giving us a lot of information. And it was, honestly, it was overwhelming at first. And we kept on pushing back the story because we wanted David Rhodes' input on this. So we reached out to him for an interview on camera. And at first, he agreed to it. We sent him some of the questions that we were going to ask him. And then he ultimately declined for an on-camera interview. So then he offered, we offered um, if he would do a press release. And he agreed to it. So we sent him some questions, more detailed, that we would want some answers from. Um, and then ultimately, he declined to do the press release as well. And he sent. He referred us to his um, attorney, Douglas Pearson, um, and they did not reach to us on time for comment. And so we went ahead to publish the story anyways Sunday afternoon, December 1st. And then it became what it has become, which I'm very proud of. The story was spread like wildfire, and then Senate had no other choice but to live stream the event um, for the student body, which I am very proud of. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about, well, not excited, but I'm 
I'm proud that it actually got the coverage it was because no one was talking about this. And a lot of people approached me saying that, you know, basically thanking me for being a part of the article because, you know, they didn't have any idea. And this gave awareness to this issue that people were really concerned about. Now, I mostly got positive feedback, but I think that Benny got more negative feedback. Yeah, talk about uh, the feedback that you got, especially as you, at, at the time of publishing the story, you were part of SGA, you were a senator. So talk about that. Right. So we made it very clear um, that I was a senator. Um, at the beginning of the article, we had made a disclaimer. Um, and so I was going to be voting on the impeachment hearing, and people were aware of that. Um, so... I believe that I received a lot of the negative comment comments um, because of that. Uh, a lot of SJA members were not happy um, with the fact that I had published the story. Um, some people that I thought were friends um, really um, made some really nasty comments that really did hurt my feelings a lot because this is honest reporting. Um, student body pays tuition. To the Student Government Association, David Rode gets, David Rode gets paid $6,000 a year to serve as student body president. And so he was facing some really serious allegations, including sexual harassment, um, taxation, um, exemption, um, amongst others. Um, and so I really felt that the student body needed to know what was going on. Um, and so I did receive a lot of hateful comments, but at the same time, it was a lot of positive so, but I stand firmly by my story and my article, and I think I did a great job, and I'm thankful Nate was here along as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about uh, the student the student body needing to know about this. If you guys don't publish this, I'm sure that the Senate would keep it on the DL, right, on the down low, and just keep on with the hearing, uh, no public, not a public hearing, right? Right. So from some of the executive members on the um, SGA team, I did hear some talk that they wanted to keep this as under wraps as possible, but because the story was published the day before the impeachment hearing, students really wanted to to be in on it, so they reserved 20 seats um, for students to come and sit down. Unfortunately, that was not enough, as there was a line outside the multipurpose room for students to go and um, see the hearing, and so they live-streamed it, and I believe we capped at 6,300 6, views. Wow. So that was amazing. Really, I actually didn't know that. 6,000 views. 6,000 views. That's a lot of people that are watching that. So, yeah, I actually did not even know to the extent of that impact. I mean, I just remember I was there. I was covering the impeachment hearing, and I saw just people literally eating popcorn, watching, kind of like making comments as it was. Like, it was really almost – it was really interesting, really great to see – our student body is so interested in like the politics of what was happening because this is a really interesting story. Did you guys face any backlash from within SGA and uh, any other part of the WCU administration to sort of keep this under wraps, not that it come to light? Um, not from the administration itself. A lot of uh, the people that we did try to contact declined to comment. Some of um, SGA advisors, uh, WCU legal counsel, they all declined to comment on the specifics of the event. Um, SGA members, they were very um, clear that we should not bring this to light. Um, a lot of senators were telling me, Benny, you are ruining this guy's life. Um, they were telling me I was doing the wrong thing by publishing the story. Um, but I do not agree with those sentiments, and I think we did the right job. 
Yeah, I agree because this was public knowledge. Um, I was told that you know, that this you know this is messing with someone's personal life. But if you're a public figure, anything, anytime you have allegations against you this serious, it's public knowledge, and it's important for people to know that this is happening. And also, given if you know, and, and even if the allegations turn out to be not true, it's important to know that they were brought up and maybe, you know, corrected have his name cleared if need be or vice versa it's just it's important to just be transparent which is actually something that david rhodes claimed was talking about that he runs on transparency that's what this article was it was transparent we said what the other side said we asked what he said we he didn't comment to us we even talked about benny being a member of sga everything we did was very transparent and that's kind of the whole point of it and now we're gonna we're working on another story right now and mm -hmm. we're gonna be transparent with that we're gonna yeah. like you know there was something in the article that was a claim that he was able to prove was false not to our knowing not even to uh the accusers knowing but he was able to prove a false in the actual hearing and now we're gonna be able to correct that and say hey he proved it false he did other things and it's just about being transparent to give the student body an idea of what's going on because they have the right to know. Of course, if it, whether it's national politics, local politics, uh, David Rode is a public official for a state institution, so this level of transparency is very important, especially for the student body that, like you said, with tuition pays for their, for their salaries. Guys, could you tell me how cooperation was from in and around the story within SGA and within the periphery of it all? Um, it was mixed. As far as a whole, a lot of people were weary of going on record of speaking with us, which is, you know, understandable. They don't want to be put in the wrong light or they don't want to, like, have to look back on a story and be on the wrong end of it or anything like that. So I understand that. But those that were wanting to talk to us, they were very enthusiastic with speaking to us and they were incredibly cooperative. In fact, uh, I believe that Fiona actually reached out to Benny for interview initially, and it ended up working out great, and we ended up having multiple others tag along with this uh, interview after we did speak with Fiona, but she I essentially was very willing to talk and speak her mind, and she was incredibly candid, which is great because it helped the article, mm -hmm. a lot of that candidacy. Um, Zach was also very helpful. He was... Yeah, he was pretty much willing to say anything that he had already basically written down in the articles of impeachment. He was pretty uh, transparent with us and what their hopes and wishes were, which is good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and overall, pretty much everyone that was there wanted to be there, and they were willing to talk. That's good. Um, Fiona's Buchanan, right? Yeah, Fiona yeah, Buchanan. Okay. Okay. Um, and that... And with that, guys, I think we can move on to the actual impeachment hearing, which started at 6.02 p.m. last night. Uh, guys, take me through it. Well, it was a long four hours of the impeachment <laughs> hearing. Um, most of the time was consumed by witness testimonies and um, by opening and closing statements from both Mr. Rode and Chief Justice Alston and um, Senate questioning of the uh, 
witnesses. Um, it started off with opening statements from Mr. Rode and from Chief Justice Alston, um, and then we moved into the testimonies. I think I believe the first witness that we had was Miss Fiona Buchanan, um, and so. As we saw in the live stream, she and Mr. Rode clashed a lot um, in terms of the questions that were being asked. Um, I think she didn't have some of the best answers um, during her testimony. I think she had a great questions afterwards, uh, but I believe that during her testimony, a lot of the things that she had alleged in the articles of impeachment, um, David ended up debunking, which made her credibility um, weekend. Um, at least that was the view from the student senate. And I think that was partially why David ended up winning. Um, then we saw some of the, the executive uh, members testify against uh, Mr. Rode, which I thought was really, really interesting because these are supposed to be David's closest allies. They're supposed to be the closest people to the president. And they all had some kind of negative thing to say. Mr. Clemens, the chief of staff, and David were obviously the most heated. Um, Patrick did not hold back. They kept on taking jabs at each other. Um, and I think that's partly because of the sexual um, um, harassment allegations made against um, President Rhodes. So allegedly, um, in a private meeting, uh, David had asked uh, Clemens if he was being influenced by Fiona through sexual relations, which is extremely sexist. And I think is sexual harassment um, by the definition of it. Um, and I think that on itself should have been enough for Senate to remove this president from office. Um, so I'm in dis I am disappointed in that. Um, you saw also the chief, uh, the director of diversity, Troy Davis, speak, and she said that David does not take criticism well. And the same thing happened with Maris Erica McCurdy, the director of community engagement. Um, Ms. McCurdy and I had a bit of a altercation before the hearing. She did not like the fact that she was mentioned in the article that we discussed earlier. So some of the questions that were asked um, during her opening statement, she referenced the article um, saying she was unhappy with it. Um, and then one of the questions I asked was she had said that um, some of the organizations she was a part of were affected during President uh, Rhodes' campaigning, um, but then she forgot that she had, had made that statement, so I find that really interesting. Um, but, yeah, we had a lot of uh, great content from those uh, testimonies. And I don't know, Nate, do you want to add anything? Yeah, um it, one thing that you need to understand about this hearing is was intense. Um, the dialogue was very heated. I don't know if it got the same, like if it translated through the live stream, but in person you could see the intensity in between the, especially between David and Patrick. That was the most heated part of probably the entire discussion. There was very snappy dialogue back and forth. David, I and honestly i don't i don't know i'm not going to say like who won these like arguments but i do believe david succeeded and his goal was to get patrick off topic he did a really good job about bringing up things that weren't necessarily relevant to the articles which is actually helped to make and his goal was more so to 
go after the witness of Patrick because he knew he was already uh, author of the impeachment articles. So his main goal was to hurt his credibility. So the first one of the first questions that he asked Patrick was if he had ever been late to uh, exec board meeting, and Patrick immediately snapped back, "Yes, and you have too." Like that was. It was quick and fiery, mm-hmm. so you can definitely feel the tension. Just looking at Patrick, kind of in a sideways position, ignoring David, um, and David kind of asking the questions. It, it was you. You could feel the tensity in the room. And that's what the people there were really. I, I saw. I heard whispers after each comment in the audience section. So the audience, they were literally eating snacks, whispering. It was a very. Uh, it was more of a spectacle, and it was more interesting than you would expect a hearing like this to be. It felt more like a trial that you'd see on TV than it did an actual impeachment hearing. Like you hear impeachment, you think it's kind of bland and boring, but. You could tell with each question, everyone had a motive, and everyone had history. Everyone knew what they're asking, and it was just a matter of like the rules were pretty much keeping them from saying what need what they wanted to be said. And I think David really did a good job playing to the rules of the hearing, and he really had a well prepared, well presented case, and he knew what his goal was. And he did a great job making witnesses seem less credible, getting them off topic. I think he, in Fiona, I believe in her uh, testimony, and she came off as more emotional. That's something that David talked about in the beginning of his argument, that he was going to have a case built upon fact, not emotion. So it directly conflicted with the testimony of Fiona in the beginning, which really played and I'm really glad you brought. Ugh, and I'm really glad you brought that up because I want to get, I want to segue into the order of the hearing and how everything came about. And it all started with David, who gave an opening statement. He gave a PowerPoint where he basically let, laid out his evidence, and he made his case. Basically, he said, like you said, um, that he was going to base all, everything on fact, and that was a stark contrast with uh, Senator Buchanan's opening statement, which I heard from a lot of senators off the record, was very, felt very emotional, emotionally driven. And that quite possibly hurt her case. What do you guys think? I would agree that that hurt her case, especially given the body that makes up SGA. They... Most of them delve in numbers, they delve in facts, they want hard information. Whenever you present a case that is built upon just factual information and then it's put up against someone that is saying, I know you did this, I don't have the proof to do this, but I know you did it, and also you did something that hurt my feelings. Now, what he did was not just hurting her feelings, and now I can't say that he did it because we don't have hard proof, and the only people that are saying that he did it are the ones involved. But it's it's hard to think of a reason as to why they would lie about that, which kind of made... But unfortunately, it didn't play out for the accusers in this instance. No, it, it really turned it into a he-said-she-said said sort of situation, mm-hmm. uh, and it's quite unfortunate um, that it turned out that way. 
But I don't think we should disregard um, the fact that Fiona was emotional. Um, when you're a victim of sexual harassment, as Miss Fiona Buchanan was and her boyfriend, quite frankly, I would be very upset, too. And um, the fact that David never directly mentioned or referred to this um, having any kind of validation proves that Mr. does not care about the truth, even though his PowerPoint was truth and fact. And I think the fact that he started with this PowerPoint that showed his credit cards, that showed the receipts, and that showed the, the statements really laid the foundation as to where this hearing was going to go. Fiona had a very emotional response, which I totally understand. Absolutely. But David played his cards very well. He knew exactly how to go for Senate. He knew exactly how to play the senator's role because he's been in that position before. And he knew what he knew what they were looking for. And he played every single card right. And I believe opening with that PowerPoint with those facts, I mean, they were facts. He, he debunked the tax exempt, which was actually a policy by the company itself, mm-hmm. not a donation from Turning Point USA. Um, he proved that he purchased the buttons um, with his own credit card. It was only the autofill that showed his um, company, Road Group LLC. Um, so he had a lot of um, truth in his PowerPoint that debunked some of the earlier statements in the impeachment articles. And I feel like people focused on that because it was such a memorable presentation that kind of the rest in the between was kind of forgotten. And so I definitely do think David played his cards really, really, really well with that. But I don't think we should disregard Fiona's emotional response when she was up on that um, table. No, of course not. But, but I, I agree, though. I, I just bring it up because, you know, how, like you said, David played his cards so right because he's been in that situation before to the point where her taking that route of you know just going in there and maybe seeming emotional that played to david Rhodes' benefit ultimately absolutely and if i can add one thing too um the fact that david submitted the evidence as late as he did and actually didn't comment left david with the benefit of being able to prepare for that entire thing because he knew every bit of evidence that they had against him It came as a bit of a surprise whenever he had the PowerPoint, he had the presentation, because all the information wasn't in the PowerPoint. Most of this evidence was presented, and then his testimony, like, going along with it, was pretty new information, and it really took a hole into into the accuser's case, because, you know, this was, like, one or two of the main reasons that his impeachment was brought up, and he completely destroyed that in this presentation i think it caught fiona a little bit off guard because then the weight then falls on to the tpus the turning point usa and the conference that he went to the campaign funding and then it that became to the foreground and then it also weighed heavily on the sexual harassment which those two items which those two things they had less hard evidence against which definitely is a big turning point (laughs) uh, (laughs) no pun intended (laughs) Uh, but I do think the fact that those two separate um, issues had less hard evidence um, also kind of fell into David's lap because then he could be like look I proved to you guys that I have evidence they don't they don't have witnesses they don't have um, proof that I took money from Turning Point um, and all this other stuff so it kind of discredited them in a way 
to make David seem like he had the facts, which I'm not saying he didn't. He he definitely did clarify some of the things that we um, definitely were questioning, uh, but it, made, it definitely made a Senator Fiona. I definitely do think it caught her off guard because she did not know how to respond. Then it became very uh, emotional um, when President Rhoda asked her, where does it say tax exemption? I think the correct terminology was like tax of North Carolina, 0.0%. So it never said tax exempt, mm-hmm. um, which goes to show that um, he really knew how to he really knew how to uh, prove that um, as a falsity. Yeah, she was he. Yeah, he was very prepared uh, in every sense of the word, and it wasn't until he was called to be a witness that there was really any semblance of of much of a chance for him to be impeached for much of the hearing. Uh, you could just sense it in the crowd and 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 in the Senate that uh, you know everybody just sort of felt that this there wasn't really any cause or, or ground for him to be impeached not really um and it wasn't until he took the stand as a witness where the tide sort of shifted yeah so during his actual testimony david made a mistake i mean to be candid he messed up in his testimony there was no if he admitted to the biggest claim against him which actually if he admitted to something that can be considered a crime at the state level and that was huge because that almost completely ruined his case because he admitted to the biggest thing against him and they had no evidence for this he could have completely denied 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 he didn't and as soon as he admitted that he went to the turning point usa conference and that he received funding which is by definition bribery whenever he admitted to that it immediately got called into a recess and he actually was taken outside by what i believe is the sga legal staff is that uh, wcu's legal counsel yeah and they spoke to him and he came back and amended his statement at that point that was probably the most interesting part of this entire hearing because he came back and really went back on what he said I don't know I cannot speak to what went down in that meeting but he came back with a very I wouldn't say very different story but his statement was much different and it completely shifted what took place in the voting shifted the momentum of the hearing Mm -hmm. too and and he just he made just the right amount of changes where, you know, it was still technically the same statement, enough to be amended, but not a total 180 shift. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting by this was the fact that legal counsel did take him outside. He amended his statement. And then they came back and said that they were still trying to calculate the expenses uh, from summer 2019. We are in December 2019. That, to me, kind of... They were caught off guard by David. I feel like they were caught off guard, too. I feel like, honestly, they were unaware that David was going to admit to this. So they had to, like, change it up real quick and kind of fix the wrongdoing that David had made. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say it. They were covering their own ass. I mean, they they were totally caught off guard by this, and they had to do something. I mean, and as a member of the Board of Trustees, David has to follow certain rules. And so bribery is one of the offenses that you can commit as a member of the Board of Trustees. And when he admitted to that, I feel like that was the bombshell of the night. That was what should have gotten 
him removed from office and why people still ended up voting uh, for him to stay is beyond my comprehension but I feel like that was the bombshell that was um, th- that should have been the verdict that know? was the hard evidence that was the smoking gun that was everything that they had been trying to find in physical writing because they said Fiona actually said that Turning Point USA is a organization that doesn't publicly they're, yeah they're very private they're good at covering their tracks and so they did have evidence of david at a, at a conference in washington dc over the summer however there is no direct correlation with turning point usa so david could have easily denied easily came up with another story but no he admitted to it and i asked him is that not an impeachable offense and he said benny i don't think it is and i feel like that that should have been what and drove senators to remove him from office. And once again, why they didn't is beyond my comprehension. I feel like it's also worth touching on other testimonies, mainly Chief of Staff's Patrick Clemens. Could you guys talk to me about his testimony? How did you guys feel about the whole thing? How did you think it went as a whole? Um, once again, I think kind of like um, mm-hmm. Senator Fiona's uh, testimony, Patrick Clemens was very emotional during um, the testimony. Um, but I do think, uh, once again, his emotions were driven from a place uh, that David wrote cost. You know, I wouldn't take things lightly if my supervisor had asked me if I was being influenced through sexual relations by my partner, who happened to be a member of that organization as well. I feel like that is completely disrespectful, but also unethical of David to ask. And I really hope that this does not just remain as it is. And I hope uh, additional steps are taken to remedy this. Um, One thing that I will uh, like to comment on is during uh, David Ruth's testimony, I did question him a lot about Patrick. I wanted him to admit to what he did. Um, He I asked him, do you think Patrick lied? And he said to call Patrick a liar would be. Uh, too much to say but I do think he's not telling the truth when it comes to this and for me it's like what kind of person would fabricate such a lie would go to uh, SGA advisors tell them this is what happened to me write an email formal email to supervisors testify in front of senate in front of 6,000 people online such a, a a grotesque thing and as a victim of sexual harassment in the past the first thing that you think of is well people believe me and David did not believe Patrick Senna did not believe Patrick and that to me is hurtful that to me is personal and that to me is unacceptable Mr. Clemens deserves respect from this institution, and they did not give it to him. And I am very disappointed in David, because transparency is one of his key talking points. The truth, the truth will set me free. And I think the truth set Patrick free also by speaking out about this. And it is truly heartbreaking that it was not taken more seriously than it should have been. I am truly disappointed. Absolutely. And another thing, there's a stat that I actually know that 
over 95% of claims about sexual harassment or sexual assault, sexual misconduct, 95% of them are true. That's actually last year there was like, it's, it's very, very rare that these claims are actually found to be not true. And kind of bring it back to the actual hearing itself, I believe that it was kind of constructed that they had that they had information about David going to Turning Point USA and they had a vendetta against him is what David was trying to claim. And then they constructed the sexual harassment to try and make their case stronger. From what I've been hearing is that the main reason articles of impeachment were filed were because of the sexual harassment, but since they knew they didn't have a lot of hard evidence, they looked for other things to try and strengthen it. So what was pitched to Senate was completely backwards of what happened. The order of events was sexual, they they experienced sexual harassment, alleged, I mean... An alleged sexual an harassment. An alleged sexual harassment, which caused the conflict with David and basically brought down per Patrick's words after the sexual harassment and after his uh, apology with uh, David, their relationship declined. And then at this point, that's when they started looking into impeachment. So why would they need to fabricate the sexual harassment if that's what was initially started? Yeah, like that was the main reason yeah. to start the whole impeachment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what I don't get is the fact that he, David admitted to threatening to fire Erica McCurdy. If David can threaten someone thinking he has the power of doing that, when in reality he doesn't, all he can do is ask for the resignation or go through the impeachment process. If David is capable of threatening someone, of firing them, I think he is very capable of threatening someone or saying those kinds of accusations yes there are allegations but i do but i i think we should believe the victim in this case and it is not david road it's not david road at all and one of the things he tried to say during um his uh, testimony opening was that the article that we had published had driven him to receive mental health from caps um and one of the questions i asked was Imagine being Patrick, your subordinate, being told that. he Patrick even said he had an anxiety attack when listening to an audio recording that was presented to Senate as testimony, as evidence. I can only imagine what kind of psychological help Patrick should have received. If David was claiming an article that was based on facts that was based on the testimony of Ms. Buchanan that reflected the exact same statements in the articles of impeachment. Thank you, Benny. That was really well put. And I think that, as you said, uh, really accepting, uh, embracing, and understanding the victims is really important in sexual harassment cases such as this. It is really unfortunate that this allegedly happened. And I think it's very important that we talk about this. But I I do not want to pivot to David Rhodes' closing statement, um, where he get another uh, more, less factual than his first PowerPoint presentation. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It was called "Who Is David Rhodes," and he basically just wanted to appease to the Senate. He wanted to uh, show everybody where he came from and his background. And uh, you guys can talk more about that. Yeah. Um, he just went, which was interesting. Uh, the biggest note I would have is that he went 
for a completely different angle to end it. He initially said that most of his case was going to be based upon fact, but he really played to emotions in his closing statement, and he actually asked so much to broke down and was crying while he was actually saying this. So he was uh, in emotional turmoil visibly, then he very much so was playing to the heartstrings of the Senate. And, I mean, I cannot speak to the thoughts that they had, but I have to feel like that that played an impact on their voting. Especially because if you put that in contrast with Senator Buchanan's perceived emotion, uh, Senator Buchanan's perceived emotion came off as... Senator Buchanan came off more so um, defensive, mm-hmm. aggressive, and uh, David Rowe just came off as very, almost like a victim in a sense, and uh, he definitely, he hit the right emotions, the the emotions that the accusing camp failed to hit, that he really played to the sensibilities of the Senate, I think, and that that definitely played a huge part in the voting, I think. Kind of to add to your point, I think um, you're right. He did play um, one key uh, role that Fiona did not play, and that was saying, you know, I love my accusers. That's what I was meant to do, kind of like a message of hope. And I think that theatrical uh, event really moved and persuades editors to be like, okay, we got to give this guy a second chance, you know. People make mistakes, like he said. People uh, will regret what they do. And that doesn't mean a person should not be given a second chance. David, this was your third chance. David, you this is the third time you were impeached. We gave you a second chance when I voted for you to stay on Senate last year. That was your second chance. And then impeachment articles were brought up against you again. And you swerved them by resigning once you were elected to nobody president. So, yes, I do believe in second chances, but you were given more than two. I would also add, whenever he was referring to him loving his accusers, he says, I love those who I love those who persecute me. He was actually making a biblical reference in which he was referring to paint a picture of himself as I can't speak to what he was actually saying, but he was painting a picture with actually biblical references with uh, him saying, you know, I love the body I love my persecutors I love those who persecute me that's something I believe that Jesus said in the Bible and he was almost putting a likening to himself with Jesus which I found that interesting that he went that route right I mean I'm I'm just analyzing just trying to make sense of some right and I I definitely saw that too especially with the fact that he said I still love my accusers that's kind of like Jesus still loving the people that put him on the cross I I thought that was very effective and and persuading senators to vote the way they did Uh, but yeah I definitely do think the powerpoint um, both opening and closing were very, very effective. They played to two different um, emotional sides, one to the facts and one to the heart. And 
crying and asking for forgiveness, I think really, really led some senators to believe that he deserved another chance. And Benny, you talked before about your overwhelming disappointment for the Senate's decision and how it all turned out. Tell us about your resignation. Uh, obviously, this morning, you gave SGA your letter of resignation. Could you tell us about your how you felt and all about that? So it wasn't easy to come to this decision. I definitely thought a lot about it last night um, on the drive home. I really kept going back and forth about how to go about this um, and what to go and do next um, moving forward. And ultimately, I decided that I could no longer be a part of an organization that decided to overlook so many facts, especially the the sexual uh, uh, harassment uh, claims, uh, but also the fact that David admitted to committing a crime and senators still chose his side. I feel like that was really, really disappointed. I, I was... I was heartbroken because leading up to the hearing after my article was published that was co-written with Nate, um, I received a lot of hate from senators, a lot of negative comments um, saying I had ruined David's life. How could I have done this to David? Um, no one deserves this. Uh, not even David. Like everyone kind of ignored the fact that six other people looked at this article and believed it was factual enough to be published. I felt like the target of um, of an unnecessary hate storm, um, and I even had a director. I even had an executive member from SJ's um, from David's team that called me angrily um, the night the article was published, and told me to take her name down from the article because she didn't want her reputation tarnished. Literally all that we said in the article about this person was that they had been threatened by David Rode um, and that they declined to comment. That was all that was said. And so the next day I saw the individual and she walked very angrily past me. Um, and then I had some text messages from, from some friends that were saying that she was yelling in the cafeteria about how much she hated the article and that we took her right to speak away from her. And that could have been nothing far from the truth. Um, so I really, really felt disappointed by SGA and how they, I, how I was treated by the article. Because um, I feel like SGA is supposed to represent the student body. And I was the only one, I was one of the few people willing to stand up against um, SGA for the better interest of the student population. Um, and I would like to read um, an excerpt from my resignation letter this morning. I firmly believe Chief of Staff Patrick Clemens was telling the truth when he spoke about his allegation of verbal sexual harassment on behalf of the president. The fact that Senate didn't think this was enough to remove the president from office is disgusting, grotesque, and not what the student body deserves to be representing them. As a victim of sexual assault, my greatest fear was speaking out and not being believed. And that is exactly what happened when Mr. Rode, when Mr. Clemens and his allegations. I would also like to um, mention um, that throughout my time in SGA, I have always firmly and strongly defended them. Um, even when I knew that there were some 
truth to what people were saying. Uh, one of them, rumors that you always hear, like SGA doesn't do anything for the student body. Um, SGA doesn't um, truly represent everybody. Before I joined Senate, there was only like two or three people of color um, in the whole um, organization. So there was a lack of representation. Um, and I felt like I was an important asset because I was bringing more awareness to, of other students on campus. Um, and so I've always defended SGA wholeheartedly. And today I could no longer. Today we over we 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 crossed a line that should have not been crossed. The fact that my fellow colleagues um, dragged and trashed me for an article that was exposing. Um, some really negative aspects of our organization and the fact that some members of SGA uh, paraded angrily throughout campus saying how much disgust they had for my article. Um, it really showed that within this organization I was not as truly appreciated as I thought I was. And so I wish them the best of luck and I have no regrets with the letter I wrote. Um, but until President Rhoda is no longer sitting in the presidency's office, I would not like to be a part of Student Government Association at WCU. Very well put, Benny, and thank you so much for opening up about your whole situation here on the show. Um, I believe we have some breaking news. Is that so? That is so. During the course of this interview, I was sent a petition started by a student um, that did not agree with the results of last night. And I believe that the student body at the end should have the right to speak their mind. Um, SGA, uh, the constituents of SGA are the students of, of Western Carolina University. And I am really proud that the student decided to start this petition because they felt like their voice wasn't being represented. Um, and I feel like if you look at the comments of the live stream, a lot of students were saying that the president should have been removed from office. Um, I would like to read a little bit of the petition that is asking that has currently over 100 signatures. This petition was started two hours ago at around uh, 10 um, p.m., Western Carolina University Student Government Association has held a closed-door meeting to impeach current President David Rode. Based on feedback submitted to students on the SGA Facebook page, it has come to my attention as a fellow student that my peers have expressed concern about the validity, fairness, and execution of the impeachment process conducted by WCU-SGA. In my comment addressed to WCU-SGA directly on their post, I have received no reply when I asked whether a student vote was permissible. I understand many students have lived through traumas, both past and present. Sexual violence is at an uncomfortably high level, and from our best understanding, standing President David Rode has been accused of conducting acts of sexual harassment while enlisted as the president of WCU-SGA. As a member of the student body, a petition to allow the student body to vote is what should have been done in the first place. Based on the reaction of the student body, those there was repeated concern over the conduct during a DSGA meeting. If President Rode should be impeached, it should be up to the student body to make an educated decision not SGA. There you go. And um, like you said, this is it, it, this is great, honestly. Uh, it, just in the sense that the it, it harkens back to the importance of the story that you guys published. Uh, a lot of people were opposed to this story being public, and yet uh, 
the constituency, the student body deserves to know what's going on uh, in the student, student government association and the fact that everybody having not this being public knowledge has led to this petition i think is great just for for democracy here in western carolina university absolutely and also it's getting more i know that actually i think because that this got the attention that it did that the silver herald was at the press was at the hearing last night which will give a wider range of audience which will make this a uh, broader issue so i mean i'd it's great to see students taking an interest in actually being involved in this process because at the end of the day, it's their tuition dollars. And also, it's a very serious issue. And if they believe this hearing that was live-streamed, though they have all the information in front of them, and they believe that this was not conducted fairly, that is something that is to be concerned because, I mean, the impeachment hearing was amended this semester, I think, to try and do better than previous times, but before there was basically no coverage and it was very quiet. This time it got coverage. It was put under that microscope and now the public will actually have an opinion as to how they believe the results were. And that's very, very important. That's democracy. I don't think the student body fully understands the power that the president has. Students pay a, a part of their tuition goes towards the Student Government Association, and with that tuition money, they pay the president's salary, the vice president's salary, and all of the executive cabinet's salary. The president gets paid $6,000 a year. We should not hand that money lightly. Yes, David Rode won fair and square the election, but I feel like because of the story that we published, more students are going to be conscious about who they're voting next time. More students are going to be aware of how important it is to select a student body president. At the end of the day, regardless of whether SGA did the right thing or not, they still possess the voice of the student body. They carry that wherever they go. The association, the association of Student Governments, ASG, when David Rode goes, he is representing 12,000 Catamount students. So I would like the student body to stay informed as to what exactly goes into SGA. It is not just an organization. It is not just a club. It's representing you 100%. And who you elect to represent you is also the face of the university at the end of the day. So I, I'm just happy that this has gotten the attention it has. I know people are not going to always be happy with that, but I am proud that the student body is starting to pay attention. Okay. Uh, very well said, Benny. Thank you. And uh, unless you guys have any more uh, thoughts, comments, I think uh, the, we can wrap it up here. I just have one thing that I would like to leave uh, the Catamount Nation with. You can put lipstick on a pig, but at the end of the day, it's still a pig. David uh, Rhodes. Oh, God. Okay. That, uh, that concludes, that concludes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, never, uh, never a dull moment here on the Sports Plus podcast, a part of the WWCU podcast network. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow my socials on Twitter and Instagram, at J-O-E-E-L-V-R. For all the latest updates on the show, Western Carolina SGA happenings, and much more. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Please, please share and review the show. Have a wonderful day. Okay.